Hello, and welcome to Control Alt Delete, a new podcast from The Verge. I am Neil Patel, the editor of The Verge. I'm joined here by Walt Mossberg, our executive editor and uh, the co-founder of Recode. Hey, did you say Control Alt Delete? Or I said Control Alt Delete. Do you want me to enunciate better? Why don't, you, why don't you enunciate better? All right, I'll do that. No problem. Hold Being on. a stickler. Hello, and welcome to Control, Walt, Delete, a new podcast from The Verge. I am Neil Patel, I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge, and I'm joined by Walt Mossberg, executive editor of The Verge and co-founder of Recode. Hey, Walt, how's it going? Great, Neil, how's it going for you? Uh, it's going great. So we, this is the first episode of what I think of as your podcast, Walt. Uh, I'm very excited to do a show with you. Uh, it has been, I, people don't know this, Walt and I have known each other for quite some time, and then... Uh, as Rico became part of the Vox Media family and Walt and Lauren Good and Katie Brett joined the Verge team, Walt and I have spent a lot of time together recently. Uh, and I'm really excited to let everybody in on just what it's like to hang out with us because it's been really fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you, Walt. It's been a lot of fun. It's been great. You guys rock. I just, in fact, tweeted that. Yeah. So it's been it's been a pretty fun ride since May when we announced that Rico was joining the Vox family and it's, we've been hanging out. Uh, and it, what a good time to do the first episode of the podcast. We've been promising that we're going to do the podcast together since like the first day we had Walt and Lauren on the verge cast. That was super fun, but, but it's what been a good in day. stealth. It's been in stealth, like a stealth company. It has, it has absolutely been in <laughs> stealth. Uh, I did convince Walt that we should use the name control Walt delete, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Um, and props to uh, our former podcast producer, John Lago Marcino for coming up with that name. Um, but what a great time to start the show and start off a run of it. Uh, iPhone reviews came out today. The iPhone 6S and 6S Plus were announced a couple weeks ago. I did the big Verge review. Walt did the big Mossberg review. Uh, they're both up on the site. You should see them. We had a really fun video with Walt. We did an uh, embarrassing video with me, as always. Um, other people did reviews, but I think ours is the best. Uh, and let's talk about it. Let's get into it. So, Walt, what do you think of the iPhone 6S? Well, you know, um, this is – people have to remember this is one of those – S years, you know, Apple is on this tick-tock schedule, as they like to say in, in Silicon Valley, where they do a, a big release uh, one year, and then the next year they pretty much keep the same form factor of the phone, but they change the hardware, and they try to introduce enough new features to make it really uh, significant to uh, people considering upgrades. So, for instance, a good example would be they brought out the iPhone 5, which was a whole new form factor because they uh, increased the size of the screen, which now seems tiny, but to then uh, at the time seemed bigger. Uh, and uh, But then the 5S came out, and what did they do? They introduced Touch ID, which was really the first workable fingerprint recognition uh, on a phone and, and was uh, an important feature. And, of course, the phone was faster and all that. And now we have another um, S-Cycle phone that I think has another fundamentally – uh, important, uh, you know, addition, which is just, which is both hardware and software and that's 3d touch. Yeah. Uh, so here's, uh, here's my take on 3d touch. I think everybody was fairly positive on it who used it. It's, you know, it's one of those features where you can, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and live here. If this is one of those features where if Samsung or an LG had just sort of gone off and YOLO'd and, and just made it on their own outside of Android, we would be like, this is kind of a gimmick. Like it, you know, a company like Samsung is never going to get the entire Android app ecosystem to support a feature like 3D Touch. But because it's Apple and they control the hardware and the software, and they have the sales clout to go get Facebook and Instagram and all these people, you can see the potential for it right away. Um, and so I actually thought, as I was using it, 
man, this is useful, but I don't use a lot of Apple's apps. So I, I enjoy the quick launcher on messages so I could quickly text people. I I loved being able to just grab a selfie using the, you know, pushing down and getting the quick action to take a selfie with the camera icon. And Safari, I thought the, you know, peak and pop was interesting. But I was like, I don't use mail. I don't use Apple's mail app. I don't use Apple's calendar app. And I, while well, you and I have talked about this, those are sort of the weakest parts of the iPhone. So you, you really have to depend on Apple's clout to extend it into the whole range of experiences with Apple stuff. And I think that's where Apple is just very uniquely positioned to do that in a way that almost nobody else is. Well, I think that's exactly right. And I made that point in, in my review. Um, this has always been the thing about Apple. If you go back to the very beginning, they control the hardware platform and the software platform. Yes, uh, you know it's true that they're not, uh, as critics sometimes like to say, closed because, hey, a million and a half apps is not closed. But they control the platform parts. And if Samsung had tried this, it probably would have been mostly software. Um, a lot of things they've tried have sounded great and have, have – like their fingerprint reader when they first did it was terrible. It worked <laughs> about 30 percent of the time. Um, but you're right. Um, they The developers are, are, are likely to flock to this. I think maybe we ought to back up a second if yeah, that's okay and absolutely. just explain to people who don't haven't tried this what it is because it can look like a parlor trick when they look at the videos or the or the photos um, in the in everybody's review. Um, this is this is taking the ten finger multi touch, which was not invented exactly by Apple because it was in university labs and things like that, and they had to buy some teams and some patents, but but certainly refined and certainly made mainstream by Apple uh, in in 2007 with the first iPhone. This is taking that, which had gestures as we all use every day now, swipe, you know, pinch, zoom, scroll, everything with your finger, and adding an important new dimension, which I think you made a, a big point of in your review, which is, which is depth and which is uh, really the perception that the screen is almost flexible. Uh, it, you know, you hit that screen, you hit it with a certain amount of force, which by the way I discovered is – adjustable. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, uh, it, it, it operates in two ways. If it's just on an icon on your home screen, the um, uh, you get you get haptic feedback, so you know you've done it, and you get a pop-up, sort of a context menu, just like when you right-click on a PC or Mac, and you get a bunch of quick choices, the things that they think you're more likely to want to do, and I think that will improve a lot over time as they learn. Uh, and you mentioned a couple, and you get to do them, and that's one way to do it. The other, but the to me, even in some ways, the cooler way is inside the app. You may not use Apple Mail. I do use it. Um, You're a crazy I person. I have complaints about it, but I do use it. Hey. I use other mail apps as well. And in Apple Mail, it's amazing. I mean, you know, you're in a list of mail, of emails. Yes, there's a three line preview, but you don't really necessarily know whether you care about it. You just press down. You get a popped-up version of the mail. You can quickly look at it and make a decision. And when you lift your finger, it goes away and you're back at the list. And that's the key thing. You're, you're back where you were. You, you, know, you, can, you can do something with it or not do something with it. You can even, when your finger's down, you're looking at that preview, which they call a peak. You can even scroll up and it has some quick actions like right. reply. Or you can push forward. a little bit harder and have the whole thing open for real. And that is called pop. Yeah. So. You know, we're just seeing the very it's, – it's just like trying to figure out the multi-touch stuff, which a lot of people laughed at actually um, because they didn't have a stylus or anything. <laughs> yeah. 
And now um, they do. Well, now they do on one <laughs> device. Yeah. But, but, um, it's, you know, if you were writing about this, you would have a split of people saying this is awesome, which I think I said. Yeah. Uh, and you would have other people saying this is like a gimmick, but it isn't a gimmick and everyone else is using it now. And, you know, they're not, we can, I think we should avoid the legalities of all this, although one of us was a lawyer. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I, I made, I made a lot of hay over patents on multi touch. Uh, that was, was basically what I covered. Is that where you made your fortune? Yeah, my uh, I got fortune? I got twenty five dollars, uh, and I protected it with my life. Um, no, you know that I was going to go for a percentage of your fortune, <laughs> but now not so much. Well, I, actually, well, I owe you a hundred dollars. You do owe me. This $100. is actually. I think we should have started with this. So, <laughs> uh, if you were listening to Virtuosity, you know that I bet we had a we had a we had a planning. You know, we before these events go on, we had these huge planning meetings. Whole staff sits around, we talk about how we're going to cover the stuff and what we're expecting, and we assign out stories, all the stuff that we do. Um, and we were talking about you know, the story that you got to write, which is this is how much the iPhone costs. And I was like, you know, everybody has these new pricing plans now, which we should talk about. I think the every year upgrade pricing plan changes. Uh, it changed my entire thought process in reviewing this phone. But anyway, um, yeah. we were talking about how what, the, what number are they going to put on the screen. They put 199 and 299 on the screen for... Literally since the iPhone first came out. Uh, well, no, the, since the 3G came out, right? The first yeah. one was way more expensive. That's right. So since the... the, the yeah, since whenever since the 199 whenever number... Became and the amazing thing is no one could could charge more than 199 after that and uh, you know with a two-year contract and succeed. But anyway, go ahead. Right. Go on. So we're, we're in this meeting. Uh, I, I just, I'm just going to say this. It is always... Walt calls into our, our meetings all the time, but you hate Walt hates meetings. So sometimes he doesn't, you know, he's there. Sometimes he's not there. We, we give him his choice. Walt can do whatever he wants. So Walt call, obviously Walt's on the Apple meeting. He hasn't said anything for a while. And then I'm like, they're never going to put $27 on the screen, um, right? Which is the price of the base model iPhone over the, you know, AT&T's con- two-year payment plan or Sprint's payment plan. Verizon. And they all have the yeah. same one. It's $27 a month. And Walt's like, you know, they will put $27 a month on the screen. And I was like, well, I'll give you $100 if Apple puts 27 <laughs> the least elegant number I can think of on the screen. Uh, and so sure enough, we're at the event, and they put up 199 and 299 uh, And I was like, phew. And then <laughs> Phil Scheller's like, and all of the carriers now have payment plans, so you can get an iPhone for $27 a month. So I owe Walt $100, which, uh, while I will I, – I, everyone asked me if I was going to pay you. I will definitely pay you. I will – I'll Venmo you or something. After I've been show. waiting, uh, yeah. but I wanted everybody to know that was it was a very funny moment in our sort of fun chaotic live log of the event when they twenty seven flashed up and my Twitter exploded. Right, um, but yeah, so that that is actually the thing that the notion that people are particularly particularly if you're listening to a podcast like this, right? Um, you are almost you're obviously interested in technology. Um, you're interested in phones, uh, and you're probably the sort of person who. Maybe you don't get a new phone every year, but you're certainly always considering it, right? You're you're always, if you're like me, I always want a new phone every year, and it's been hard because of these two year contracts, and you don't the upgrades don't come around, and you got to buy them full price and sell them, and there's a little bit of complication there that some people have figured out how to manage, and other people it's too much. But now every carrier has divorced, and Walt just wrote a great column about this. They've divorced the price of the service, at least a little bit, from the price of the device. So right. you can. I want more. 
Yeah, I want Walt, them out of Walt, it all. Walt wants them to stop, right? You, you're, you got a big rant about this. Walt wants them to shut down all their stores and the, the whole thing, right? Carriers. Well, I just don't out. want them involved in any way in phones, in the actual handset business. I think they have a great business. They spend a lot of money in networks. They ought to compete on who has the fastest, who has the most coverage, who has the best price, whatever. But you know, the, the, why should they bother to be second-rate retailers and second-rate app? developers but that's another well no but i think i think this is part of it so and i'm, I'm very curious if this changed sort of your perception of how you, how you thought about the iphone because now every you know the goal is to get you to pay you know at will take 27 dollars a month from you for the rest of your life and give you a new iphone every year apple announced the iphone upgrade plan uh which is a little bit more it's like 32 or 35 dollars a month but you 32. get 32 but i think for the bigger one it's slightly more um but whatever so it's 32 bucks a month and you get a new iphone every year and apple care uh, and the other the, the five we should explain that all these plans, including the carrier ones, are no interest, which is interesting. And the Apple one, which is also no interest, is five dollars more because they're including the they're they're typically expensive, but I find often worthwhile um, Apple Care warranty in it. Right. Just divided by twenty four, you know. So um, that's like five bucks more a month. Right. But but here's the thing about Apple's plan, which is called the, what, the iPhone upgrade program. Um, they let you get one, a new one every year. So, you know, this whole idea of a carrier deciding when you can get a new device, it would be like Comcast, if that was your home internet provider, saying, mm, can't buy a new laptop, Neli, this year, <laughs> but you can buy it next year or, right. you know, 11 and a half months from now, whatever, you know. That's Apple saying every year, you can buy one. Obviously, it's in their interest. I get that. But, I mean, it gives you the choice. And secondly, and this is even more important, the phone is unlocked. I mean, the, the iPhone is one of the few phones that's been made, so it's completely unlocked. Um, it, it has bands that cover and, and, and the right radios that cover the competing, you know, Verizon Sprint on one side and T-Mobile and AT&T on the other and, and of course, globally. I think it has 23 bands in it or something. So they can just unlock it and you – if you start out with Verizon and then you want to uh, – at any time really just go and get another SIM. Right. You can go get another SIM. Apple doesn't really care. Keep making your payments. You decide to upgrade after 12 months. They just reset it at 24. You're paying exactly the same you know, in the end, full price of the phone right. uh, with no interest and there's no – you are their customer, not the carrier's customer. Right. But this, I, but this has got to be very worrisome to the carriers. What, what's, but what what strikes me in, in reviewing the phone, and we should talk about, you know, there's the camera and all this stuff that we should talk about. But, yeah, there, and, and more on 3D Touch. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to go to. But what, stri- what struck me as I was reviewing the phone was in a world – I have friends, so I'm like, you know, I, I get a phone every year, right? I review phones, I get a new phone every year. But then I have friends who are very adamantly – um, you know, they're on the sort of non-S cycle. They love getting the new design. So they get the new design every year. So they got the iPhone 5. Right. And, they got, and then I have friends who are like, I'm on the S cycle. This is what I do. Every I wait for the first one to get out. All the bugs that worked out and they make them faster. Uh, and all the cases and accessories are out there already for me. And I'm gonna get, I, I love getting the S phones. So every two years I get the S phone. But in, in a, it just in a world where the sort of market expectation is now that you're going to just pay Apple 32 bucks a month forever – and you just get a new phone every year, that kind of takes the notion of the S cycle completely out of the picture. You're just going to get a new iPhone every year. 
And so things like 3D Touch, they're going to roll out to the, the big base of iPhone use ever faster than ever before. Um, and things like these upgraded cameras are going to come out. And things like the processor, right? So Apple loves saying the A9 processor is faster than ever. It's just it kind of like doesn't matter because in a couple of years, everyone will have a processor. That and this is something that, you know, obviously all things can change. Right. But right now and for, you know, certainly the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, Apple's been um, the only company that could pull this off. I mean, it, it's why they were the only company that could pull off uh, saying to a phone carrier, you don't get to touch the phone, right. even right when they started it. So they have such a powerful brand. They have their own uh, uh, chain of, of retail stores, which are, very, as you know, very lucrative and very successful. And um, they just have a, a tremendous – and as you pointed out and, and I pointed out in my column as well, they are the only people that control a powerful hardware platform and a powerful software platform and a cloud platform, which frankly could be better. Yeah. But they do have a cloud platform. That should be another podcast by the way. Yeah. And um, but they have all, all three things, and they have people. There's a certain lock-in. There's a certain familiarity. There are, are iPhone or Apple families, and um, it's it's a very powerful thing. And um, so now they're in the they're in the installment buying yeah. program. It's also very useful for them because they're a premium products company. They're like BMW. They charge a lot. They don't make $180 phones. At least there's been no inclination that I can see that they're going to do that. And so 650 sounds like a lot of money for the base um, iPhone 6S. But $32 a month sounds like, well, I can swing that, you right. know. Right. So, I, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big deal. I Actually, um, my, my, my general prediction about the phones is that, A, the next cycle of iPhones, they will all have five-inch or bigger screens. Um, I think that's just where the market's headed. Uh, and if you look at the competitors, we have the G4, the LG G4, or the Galaxy S6, they are using those bigger screens in a case that's much smaller in that sort of – in it's not – Yeah, smaller bezels, yeah. all that stuff, yeah. Um, and it's funny because 3D Touch kind of lets them – it lets them rethink that home button in a way. So uh, yeah. I think that's like a fascinating – like the phone will get bigger and then the upgrade cycle will just rapidly accelerate. So I – I don't know. There's a there's a part of me that thinks that maybe this is the last S phone that we're going to see, uh, and maybe maybe Apple will just because the expectation is new phone every year, they're just going to start hammering away at it. I don't know. It was I I sort of asked them. About you know, it. I think it becomes a nomenclature thing. I mean, I I, I have no idea why they called it S in the first place. <laughs> and, I mean, I could ask them, and maybe they have an answer. But um, um, uh, you might be right. Let, let's let's tackle this big screen thing. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Uh, very much that when they went to the bigger screens, and I include very much in that the standard uh, iPhone 6 because that's 4.7 was a much bigger screen than they had ever had. And at the time, it was – there were a lot of other phones in that range. Um, and then, of course, the bigger, the 5.5-inch uh, uh, 6 Plus and now 6S Plus. That broke open – I mean it looked like Samsung – as opposed to the Android platform, people get very confused. The Android platform has won globally, no doubt about it in terms of market share. Apple has won globally in terms of profits and mm -hmm. I think prestige. And and But their individual handset competitor was Samsung. And once Apple went to big screens, that sort of 
coincided. There were some other factors as well, like cheaper phones from China, but uh, that sort of coincided with uh, you know some of the magic dust went away yeah. from Samsung at that point. And you may well be right that there'll be no iPhone smaller than five, let's say, or five and a half, or five point two, or something. And that's fine with me. That's cool with me. I, I mean, the reason that I personally that I personally reviewed. Uh, both this year and last year, the 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 six and not the plus, or the six S and not the plus, is just that I still think that at this moment for iPhone buyers, this is the mainstream model. Oh yeah, and and they have except for one thing, uh, which is optical image stabilization. They have the same hardware features uh, basically. So whatever you say about the six. S applies to the plus as well. Yeah, so let's talk. But about- I don't, I don't, I don't really uh, disagree with you that the, that the, the whole thing may get bigger. But it'll have to do with their sense of two things. One is what what are their customers buying, and the other is because it's Apple, it'll have to do with design. Yeah, you know. So if they if they can do something that they think is even cooler with bigger screens, they'll probably do it. Uh, so we should talk. Speaking of hardware, we should talk about the cameras for a minute, and then. If you want to loop back to 3D Touch, get into that. But then um, I want to end by – I've pulled up your very first iPhone review. So Walt uh, was one of the very few people to review the first iPhone ahead of everybody else. Uh, and I'm just – I would love to just hear how the thing has changed. So let's do the cameras real quick. So I think the biggest change – I didn't notice a huge change in the back camera from 8 megapixels to 12. It is Right. There, there was a change. It is better, but it's not like enormously better. Because they had a fantastic camera last time. Yeah, but I, did, did, I thought there was a, a, a meaningful change from the 5S to the 6. Uh, That's what I mean, yeah. So last time, which was the 6, yeah. they, had, they had a fantastic camera. They did not make a meaningful change. But by going to 12 megapixels and, and doing the work they did on the sensor, I think they poised themselves to maybe make a big jump next time. Right. But then what is actually really interesting to me is that they – they they were far, far behind on the front-facing camera where everyone else had gone to 5 and even 8 in some cases. And they were still at 1.2 megapixels. And now they've got a 5-megapixel camera and they're doing this retina flash thing, which somebody reminded me they've done on Max and Photo Booth forever, which is when you take a picture, the whole screen flashes at you. Uh, and they're, you know they've got the clever sort of two-tone stuff where they measure the light in the room and they flash the screen a slightly different shade of white to balance. It's very clever. Uh, Snapchat was doing yep. it for a while. Apple's riff on it is obviously because they control the hardware, they can make the, the screen flash three times as bright um, as it normally would go at max brightness. Right. It works in practice. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's cute to play no, it with. it does work. It, it works. Fine in my test. So. Um, but you've got to, you know, it, it doesn't work from particularly far away, right? Like you've got to it's for selfies, right? It's it's, well, it's fine. a selfie, yeah. Um, right. But I, I actually think that is the far more meaningful upgrade to the camera. Um, yeah. I was saying that I went, I recently went on a trip to South Africa, and all of my favorite photos from South Africa we took with a selfie stick, um, which is hilarious. So all of my favorite photos from this trip are, you know, I went with like a a, a Sony RX10 with like a crazy lens and all this stuff, and all of my favorite photos are 1.2 megapixels, uh, and I think that that's a sort of thing where. You know, Apple does this stuff like 3D Touch. They push the market. They have these like big ideas. But then the thing that their competitors have been relentlessly trying to improve, which is the experience of what people are actually doing, which is taking selfies, Apple's just sort of like strolling in kind of late to the game. And I think that's the sort of you – know, you look at something like live photos where 
HTC did the Zoe photos, and Nokia did their own live photos. And how many Zoe photos did you take? Yeah, that's the thing. How many live photos am I really going to take? I mean, if well, I don't know, but people are going to take more live photos than if people. They, I'll, I'll tell you something. I'll bet you that by four days from now, people have taken more live photos <laughs> than the total ever taken of Zoe photos. Well, it's because HTC didn't sell and any that, And HTC's might even have been better. I don't, I don't remember. I remember writing about it, but I, or one of my colleagues did. But, but um, uh, you know, uh, so there's a reason I, I, I put it last in, in my review, not because I hate it. I mean, it works. Right. It's fine. It's just... Not as important as the other stuff. Yeah, I just think the camera upgrades. Usually, the the camera upgrade for the, the last couple. I think the five had a meaningful upgrade from the four S. The five S had a great upgrade. The six had a great camera upgrade. And it's just funny. This one, the rear camera, to me feels very incremental. And yeah, the so front camera feels up. like a revolution. Yeah, they caught up on the front camera. But uh, you know, look, Neela, I don't have the numbers on this, but I wouldn't be surprised if they still, with their one point two megapixel front camera they were responsible for more selfies than, than <laughs> well, they sell any more, other they sell individual more manufacturer you know well they 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 don't sell i mean their platform is, is smaller but yes as a phone as an individual phone product yes they sell more phones yeah I, and people trust the cameras on them that's true uh, i so, just yeah there's i was talking to lauren good um one of our other reviewers here and uh the fabulous, the, fa- the wonderful Lauren Good, who was who was at Recode with Walton and joined the Verge team when the, the sites came together. But she was like, you know, there's a strong argument to be made that Apple is just doing a bunch of the stuff that other companies have, outside of 3D Touch, of course. But you know, a self, a better selfie camera, uh, animated, f- automatic GIF creation. Live photos are kind of a riff on on, on GIFs, um, and some of this other stuff is very much along the lines of what other companies have been trying to do to desperately differentiate their phones against Apple. And you see Apple just sort of sweep them all in. It, you yeah, know. but that's – look, that's a big part of their pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Steve Jobs is a historical figure, certifiable, genius, whatever. But he didn't – he did, and they did invent some things and they did take big risks but there's a lot of things where they just waited a little bit to see what other people fumbled around to do, and then they came in and tried to do it in a more, you know, kind of integrated, organized, hardware and software combined way. And I think this is several of these things are, are examples of that here. I think uh, 3D Touch is the one that, in this case, is more of a is more of a bold stroke. And uh, I agree with you that it'll be fascinating to see what developers do with it. I noticed I got an update uh, a couple of hours ago from Shazam, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, using it. You you uh, you can uh, you know uh, press down on their icon, and immediately it will you know Shazam the song, listen to the song, and identify it for you without opening the app. So. Um, you know, these are small things at the beginning, but I, I just I won't, I won't belabor the topic because I think we both agreed on it. But yeah. this is this is you know, just when you think smartphones okay, it's stale, it's mature. What the hell can anybody do with it? They come up with another another fundamental, and I stress fundamental, uh, you know, kind of navigation. Uh, uh, thing yeah. that, that people are going to find interesting thing, ways to use. All right. So let me read you. And I think that's a really good, that's a really good segue into to this thing I want to, I want to try to do on this show as much as we can, which is 
which is to pull from this vast archive of reviews. So, oh my god, oh, come on, you gotta let me do this, man. This is, who else gets to do this? It's great. Um, so, 2007, the first iPhone comes out. Well, I think it was just you and, and maybe two or three other people got to do two. The there were three of us. Three, three yeah. of you got to the early reviews. Uh, and I remember I was I was working at Engadget at the time. We the reviews came out. We devoured them, and we we aggregated the hell out of you. <laughs> All right, cool. as we were wont to do, uh, and we were so excited to finally get our own phones. But there was so much hype around that first iPhone. Um, yeah. So I want to read you. I want to. I just want to ask you as you were as you were writing some of these lines. What you, how were you were thinking about evaluating the first iPhone, and how you think that relates to this one? So here's my favorite line from your first review. You ready? The iPhone's ready. most controversial feature, the omission of a physical keyboard in favor of a virtual keyboard turned out to be a non-issue despite our deep initial skepticism. Now, I think that is, if you, in this modern, like there isn't a great phone with a keyboard anymore, right? Right. But at that time, that was such a, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a, a, like a gamble to make a phone without a keyboard. What were you, how were you thinking through that? And how do you think, how, how do you think we've gotten here from there? Well, I mean, I remember writing that, and I remember why. I mean, and I can remember arguing with Steve Jobs about it quite a bit, as a matter of fact. And I didn't write that because he sort of won the argument. I wrote it because I used it um, for however long um, I had it. And I had it for more than like – it was not like a five-day thing. Um, I think it might have been a couple, three weeks, as a matter of fact, different days. (laughs) Um, And um, what happened to me was gradually – look, I'm not a touch typist – and that may have biased me somewhat, but um, I gradually found that hey, this this works. You know, I was a I was a, not a BlackBerry user, right? But I was a Trio user. I don't know how many people remember the Trio, but it, but it was a very good um, pre iPhone smartphone, um, and it had a physical keyboard. And I uh, that's why I was so hugely skeptical and. As I use this thing, I mean, I think I went on somewhere in that column to say that within the first couple of days, I was ready to throw the thing out the window because I was making so many typos. Then <laughs> all of a sudden, three three days or four days in, it just sort of clicked and it worked and it worked for me. And um, and that's when my mind changed. Yeah. So you know, it it's 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 using it, and then of course the advantages of the software keyboard. Uh, once you find it's usable, which I did, and there still are people who don't like it, but I do, uh, once you find it's usable, then the advantages of it become super important. For instance, we don't even notice this anymore, I don't think, but when you're on, you're in different apps, both Apple and its developers, Android, uh, you know, Google and its developers, can change the keyboard right. to be more sensible. So if you're filling out a URL... It doesn't have a space bar because there are no spaces in URLs, uh, you know. And it, but in and it has the the at symbol in email address fields, but not in other places. So, um, you know, making it software makes it much more powerful in a way. All right, so I've got one more, um, one more line, and I think this is the you and I didn't focus on this so much, but I think we're we're both friends with with Joanna Stern at the Wall Street Journal, and her entire yep. review of the success was about basically about battery life. Um, she, she, you know, it's hard to review an S phone because in some ways they're iterative. So she did a clever thing where she asked all of her readers to say, what's the biggest problem with your phone? And then she yeah. sort of posited the question of whether the success answers 
those questions. And the number one one she got was battery life. So here in 2007 uh, is your line about battery life on the very first iPhone. In real life, you'll do a mix of these things. So the best gauge might be that in our two-week test, the iPhone generally lasted all day with a typical mix of tasks. Now, it is years later. And some phones, like the you know the Razer Max, have come out, which are they're gigantic because they just physically because they have, have a giant bulge with a giant battery. Yep. But we're still reviewing iPhones that last about all day with a typical mix of tasks. How, mm-hmm. Is that change? I mean, should that change? Do you think that that's just acceptable? Is that just the number they have to hit, and we can do whatever we want? Or is there? Well, I would I would love one that would last a week, but the fact is that. For it's obvious from the success of the thing and the many other phones that also last about a day that um, that's fine for people. Now, there are some people who live in places like New York City where signals bounce off tall buildings and the phone is constantly searching for signals and things where the battery life doesn't last all day and it's really an annoying thing. I'm one of those people. people. And people, but I don't live there. And, and I'm telling the you, ruthlessly you know, self-interested Walt Mossberg strikes again. No, but I mean, I I test these and I do test them in New York yeah. City. I do test them in in on the West Coast. I do test them here in the Washington D.C. area, which listeners is where I'm based, and um, and where there's a height limit on the buildings, by the way. And um, you know, I don't I don't find it to be a problem to have to plug the phone in at night. Yeah. I don't. Um, if somebody said to me, you won't have to plug it in for a week, that'd be even better. But that doesn't rank number one on, on my list of things. I don't think that, it's about uh, plugging it in at night, though. I think it's, it's, it, it's, it's about, it's, you know, with, with electric cars, you talk about range anxiety. It's, yeah. you know, it turns red. It, you know, it's, you get 20%, it's red, and it's 8 o'clock. Yeah, I, and I don't get the low power mode get will get you through the end of the that. day. But, like, but look, let, let's be real. Um, Obviously, there are people who have jobs who don't have access to what I'm about to say. But there's lots and lots and lots and lots of people, particularly among the the group of people who can afford this thing, who, um, you know, are sitting at a desk at their office or their home office or at the Starbucks or wherever at a table, and they can they can plug it in for periods during the day. Uh, they're on a long conference call. If I'm on a long conference call, Neilai, just plug it in. Uh, uh, why wouldn't you? Uh, if you're just sitting at your desk and they and you freedom, you, who knows? Maybe I'm going to run away. I like. The, if, well, then you un, then then you know then what? You unplug it. Then you have to have the strength to unplug the <laughs> lightning connector and get up. It's the same way I feel about this wireless charging pad stuff that <laughs> that you know Samsung has been pushing. I'm not against it. It's fine, but it's not wireless. Yeah. It still has a wire. It's just that you can put the – so they're saying, okay, guess what? We're saving you plugging the little cable in and, and you can just put it down on this thing. It's nice. It's fine. Yeah. It's not a revolution. A revolution would be that there's electricity in the air and when you walk in the room, the, the phone – No, I, I will say this. I think an equal revolution has been in, this, in the same period of time, laptop batteries have gone from four hours to 15 Right? They, yeah. They, you can, and who's led that? Well, of course it's Apple, but it's the the laptops are getting smaller too, right? It's it's funny to me that in these two cat these are the two most important products I have. I have a phone and a laptop. They run my life. They run my business or how I communicate. Well, and with and and 
tablets, iPads at least go about ten hours to twelve. Yeah, sometimes. but an iPad, you know, an, an iPad is a iPhone with a huge battery attached to it. And, you know, it's like it's just funny. Like the reason the yeah, iPad gets so much more batteries is because it has a huge battery. I mean, it does take a lot of tweaking. That operating system, various uh, you know granular aspects of it are turning on and off all the time. Same with the hardware, and um, yeah, there are there are there are non-Apple devices that have very good battery life, but Apple does a very good job of maximizing what they've done with the battery. Right. So, you know, I don't know, maybe we've all become like, you know, hypnotized to the one-day <laughs> plug-in cycle and are thrilled if we can get to the end of the day. And and certainly, you know, if you're living in a place where something, notably looking for a cell tower is my favorite, right. um, is draining the battery, then, you know, you're pissed. And you should go buy that Razer Max or something with a giant battery or buy a Mophie case or if right. you love the iPhone or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel bad for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, all I can do as a reviewer is say, you know, uh, this is what happened to me. And I don't I don't think you bitched about the battery in your review, right? No. You know, I, I think it's interesting that it's just exactly the same as the 6 where, you know, I think iPhones – People want to know how's the battery going to do for me. Is it going to be better than my current life, right? Like, and I think every iPhone for me starts out wonderful, over the moon. I'm so excited, and then about a year later, I'm like, ah, oh, this battery kind of sucks. And I that yeah, well, batteries are, are as you know are not subject to Moore's law. They're chemistry and physics, and they and they do have a, a, a tendency to yeah to get weaker. And, but I think that's it. You, it's it's that. It's I would rather start a much higher point so that by the by the end of the by the end of the run, I'm still feeling good instead of feeling worried, and I think that's that's the kind of range anxiety I'm thinking about. But no, no, it's a good it's a good point, and and I bet there would be people at Samsung and at oh, yeah. Moto and at Apple and at Google who would love to do that for you without having a phone with a giant bulge in the back and and with you know I mean look, I think Apple looks at the battery the way they look at the price. They take the phone. And they give you more speed, more power. And this thing is very fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I used an adjective in the video uh, <laughs> that we did for how fast it was. And um, you know, it's very fast. And um, even the Touch ID, uh, you know, the fingerprint reader is so fast. The, I don't even see the lock screen. Right. The thing, the thing, uh, you know, unlocks so fast. So, um, you know, they do these things. That obviously, and you know, I presume it takes more battery power to use a better front-facing camera, I don't know, and then flash the screen three times. Um, so there's a bunch of things there that, that put drain on the battery, and yet they st they have kept it about where, they, where it was last year. I think that's what they're optimizing around, yeah. not degrading it rather than dramatically improving it. I think that's it. Right, and I think that, you know, aside from 3D touch, that's sort of the S cycle, right? It's we're making we're optimizing and we're making it better and i'm just uh, maybe they'll you know maybe they'll surprise maybe they'll decide next year that they have a way to make it be a two day battery maybe they will that, but maybe they won't i think that would be if if apple wants to if they want to every everybody no matter what iphone they have to upgrade 
That would be the thing. That's that. That's sort of my. Then answer. they could be a really profitable company with <laughs> this market cap in the world that's and one hundred and ninety billion dollars in cash. If all only, right, all right. If only so you- that we've actually gone over. I promised Walt that I only take half an hour of his time every week. But we were actually. Yeah, this is fun. It's fun. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a fun show. I'm excited to have it. So uh, that was Control Walt's Elite. Thank I'm you very much. Too. It's my friend, Mr. Mossberg. Thank you. Uh, you are my friend. Uh, and we are colleagues, and I'm really happy that we're colleagues, and I'm really happy that The Verge and Recode are working together and that I'm based out of The Verge, and uh, and, and and I have the honor of working with you. And and uh, this is – and I'm sure we've already sickened half the people, but <laughs> – Like we need more conflict on that. We, next time we got to disagree. We, uh, we're, we're, I'm hunting for, for ways to disagree. But it was great. Uh, more control walk deletes coming. We're going to try to do one every week. Uh, we also have other great podcasts to listen to. Uh, there is What's Tech with Chris Plant. There is Verge ESP with Emily Yoshida and Liz, uh, Liz Apato. And then there's the Verge cast with me and Dieter and a rotating cast of crazy characters all talking about technology and culture and science and entertainment and the wonderful collision of things that is The Verge. You can find all of that at iTunes.com slash The Verge. Please throw us five-star ratings. Subscribe to everything. Tweet at me. I am at Reckless. You can tweet to Walt. He's at Walt Mossberg. Uh, and we will see you again next week. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it.